Welcome to the first week of service. And not just the first week of service, the first service of the service because we have a 9 o'clock service. So, welcome, and we're glad to have you guys here tonight. Uh, you may have seen me in that little uh, video earlier. My name's Tom Trask. And, oh, oh, that didn't take long. No, good job, boys. All right. It's great to have great people around you to help out. All right. Thanks, man. Uh, yeah, my name is Tom Trask. I'm the campus pastor, and uh, I'm going on my 14th year now here at the Columbia College, Stevens, all that good stuff. And it's fun because you see all these incoming freshmen, and it's like, I was only 28 when I took over the ministry, and now I'm 42. And it's like, what happened in my 30s, and now I'm in my 40s? <laughs> And the freshmen were like my daughter's age now, and so it kind of freaks me out a little bit, but uh, it's cool. Um, but we're, I just want to say welcome. We're glad that you could be here. We hope that you've been able to come to some events and get to know some people. Chi Alpha is about, uh, we like to say, loving God, loving others, and loving each other. You'd be surprised how many people within the church do not really love each other that much. And I'm going to be honest with you, we're not perfect. If you are looking for a perfect group, we're not it. If you're looking for a group that loves Jesus and tries, we're it. <laughs> it it's family. You all got family and stuff. You love them. You spend a lot of time with each other. Occasionally, you get under your skin a little bit. But hopefully you learn to forgive and represent, you know, love each other. That's what we try to do at Chi Alpha. Um, and so, thanks for being here. Where's my wife? Is she? Back in the back with Okay, no big deal. Uh, so, oh, that's my beautiful wife right there. I'm really proud of her. She's awesome. You'll hear her speak sometime this year. Uh, Where's my, uh, uh, give me a favor, all my staff and give ears, please stand up. <laughs> These men and women, they have literally sacrificed to be here to serve with you guys. They have, uh, most of them raised their own money and raised support to live so that they can minister on our campuses. And so they're sacrificing for you and they love you. And uh, get to know them. They're awesome people, too. But it seems like we got quite a few new people here tonight. Do we have a couple? Can, can you raise your hand if this is your first time you've ever been to service? Um, you know what? I, I didn't tell them this, so they're going to get mad at me. But uh, you got to meet me. Why don't we meet a couple new freshmen? What do you say? All right. Coming off the stage. Oh, that might be. Oh, yeah, I'm talking to you. How are you doing? Yeah. Just so you know, anytime you don't make eye contact, that's when I'm going to come to you. So, uh, so stand up, stand up. You're with the, you're with friends here. Uh, how are you doing? Uh, what, what's your name? Brianna. Bree or Brianna? Which, which one do you prefer? I don't really have a preference. Okay, there's. I'm just telling you what people call you freshman year, you will be <laughs> Oh, you're sophomore, my bad. Okay. But 
what school do you go to? Columbia College. Columbia yeah. College. Yeah. All right. Uh, where are you from? So South Pacific. <laughs> that was a lot of excitement for you to hear. It's what South of St. Louis, if I remember right? Okay. So by St. Louis yeah. area. Okay. Cool. Well, what do you study? Biology. Biology. Okay. Awesome. Good for you. Have these parts to do that kind of stuff. Um. What I guess. What do you want to do with that? What's your big hope and dream in life with?
you come to college to begin with. You study hard, you want to excel in a certain field of study so that you someday can leave your mark on this world. I mean, walk around the zoo, Columbia College, Stevens, uh, you will see what building after building named after different people. Most of the time, you don't even think about it, and let's face it, most of the time, you don't even know who those people are, except they gave a lot of money for them. Every school, they have some pretty famous alumni. I mean, Mizzou's got, what, well, we got Brad Pitt, uh, Cheryl Crow, uh, Charles Harris, uh, who went in the first round of the draft a couple of years back, he would come to service a little bit. Uh, Columbia College, I got online, and you guys got like a freaky lot of politicians that come out of your school and stuff. And so, they're bad, making a mark on the world. All right. And Stevens, you guys got a lot of actresses and well-noted people who have done well over the many years. I didn't, I'll be honest, we just started the ministry at Stevens College last year. I had no idea. Yes. Give yourself a hand. There we go. There we go. All right. And I didn't know that you guys had so many actresses coming out of school. And that's cool. I want you guys also to know that uh, we're here to help you make your mark in life. That is Chi Alpha's purpose, is to help you leave a mark on this world. And that's actually what our theme is going to be this upcoming school year. Make your mark. And I'm going to be honest with you, it's probably a little bit different than what you have in store but I'm just assuring you, this is what we want the very best for you guys. Undoubtedly, by this point, you have figured out that we are a Christian organization. <laughs> if not, and you thought that we were frat or sorority, and you actually sat through all our worship, good for you. <laughs> Excellent. And don't worry, I'm going to try not to be long tonight, so just hang in there a little bit longer and stuff. And you never know, we're pretty nice people. Um... But we believe that God has created each of us to leave our mark on this world because his son, Jesus Christ, has left his mark on us. And this mark is something that's going to last long after buildings are torn down, after they're replaced, people have forgotten names. The impact that we believe every person can have is the eternal one because of Jesus. And making your mark in this world begins with a little thing we like to call discipleship. If you're not familiar with discipleship, it tends to be what we like to call a Christianese word, that if you're Christian, you probably know what I'm getting at. If not, I'll kind of let you in. If you don't know what discipleship is, it's basically the process of becoming a follower of Jesus. You see, it's through discipleship that we learn his teachings, and we learn how to live them out. Uh, kind of the same reason you go to college and uh, to get educated and stuff. At its very core, discipleship is about life change. Going from where you are and who you are today to the person that God has created you to be. You see, making your mark in this life, whether we're talking in the business world or in the spiritual world, is always going to require some kind of change. 
I mean, what's the classic definition that you hear everyone's, what's the, that classic definition that you hear everyone say about insanity? Doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. If you want something different, you gotta do something different. Right. And that's why you come to couch. To get an education in a specific area and to get a job that you want. The same is true with our spiritual life. Change doesn't just happen, okay? And I can tell you for a fact, Jesus understood that. Um, let me ask you a question. If you're a Christian, have you ever wondered why Jesus didn't just go straight to the crucifixion and get the thing over with? Instead, he spent three years hanging out with a bunch of guys doing stuff. He could have just, I mean, he could have just marched into Jerusalem, did some miracles, heal some people, bring some people back from the dead, teach a little bit, make the religious leaders angry, and be done with it. But you see, Jesus didn't do that because he came to bring a lasting change. And he knew that sometimes a lasting change takes time, both with his disciples and with us. And I think sometimes we get frustrated because we want change today, but it's not always how it is. Um, if you look at Jesus' 12 most famous disciples, the 12 apostles, they're an interesting bunch of people. And I, actually, they're an interesting bunch of kids. Uh, I don't, you know, in the movies, I know that they make them look like middle-aged guys with huge beards and stuff. But literally, all of Jesus' disciples, except probably for one, Simon Peter, were somewhere between the ages of 15 and 18. And so you guys, your freshmen, would have been old compared to a lot of Jesus' disciples. Their education, it was average at best. In Jewish culture, the young man's education would end at age 15, and only the brightest, only the smartest, only the wealthiest people could ever imagine having received higher education. If they weren't the smartest, if they weren't the richest, what would end up happening is they'd end up apprenticing with their fathers and working for their family. That's who most of Jesus' disciples were. Pretty plain, average, common fishermen. The couple that worked, well, one was, uh, he was actually betrayed his own people, and he was a tax collector for the Roman government. And Jesus had this, like, religious guy that was part of a religious and political party that was trying to get people to overthrow the Roman government. And so you're looking at a lot of young, immature troublemakers that most people would overlook. But you see, when Jesus saw them, he saw the future of the kingdom of God. And Jesus, he understood an essential element of this permanent life change that he came to earth to bring. It's called what I like to call the power of proximity. Real change has to be intentional. It takes time and let's face it, it takes the help of other people. And Jesus knew that. Uh, new people, freshmen, have you guys discovered a place called Big Tree yet? You've heard about it. 
guess what? It's a real big tree. I mean, it's a freaky big tree. I don't, like, it takes, like, six people to, you know, extend their arms around it. The thing is big. The point isn't so much the tree, but I know a lot of times the students like to go out, cruise down there, go drive the back roads, and just talk for a while. It's the same reason why people love to go on road trips, because sometimes when you're enclosed in a car for a long time, it's hard to fake something. Eventually, when you're trapped with someone for a while, the truth of who you are is going to come out. You see, the only way we can ever hope to change is to be in such close proximity to God and to others that we reveal who we truly are. Uh, there's a pastor from Springfield that I like, and I like how he worded it. He said that we grow in Christ not just by our time with Christ, but our time with people who love Christ. We need Jesus, but we were never made to live life alone. We were made to live with each other. And I'm telling you, I get that change is hard. I've been, I'll be honest with you, I've been trying to lose weight for years. And it's only in the last few months that I'm actually succeeding for once. It's hard. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. 31 pounds down. All right. But change is hard. We need other people. I got my wife backing me up. Spiritually, we need to be close to Jesus, and we need to be close to each other. Proximity has a great influence in our life. I mean, who you surround yourself is normally who you become. And this is a biblical concept that we see throughout. Iron sharpening iron, cords that cannot be broken. That is why community is emphasized so much in the Bible. And so we know Jesus basically hung out and lived everyday life with his 12 disciples. They ate together, they talked together, they ministered together, they worked together, and all the while Jesus was teaching them about God and how to be the people God created them to be. By living in proximity with his disciples, Jesus was able to have influence change in their lives. And specifically, he was able to have change, influence change in their lives in three different ways that I want to talk to you about that quickly. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Mark chapter 1, and we're going to look at verses 15, or, excuse me, 16 through 20. Uh, basically, it's a story of when Jesus invites uh, four of his disciples, before their disciples, to come and live with him. Later on, oh, sorry, let me read the right one. There we go. One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and, and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water, for they were fishing for a living. Jesus called them, called out to them, Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. 
a little further up the shore, Jesus saw Zebedee's sons, James and John, in a boat repairing their nets. He called them at once, and they also followed him, leaving their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men. Simple little text, but it's a powerful one. Anytime Jesus talks, it's going to be powerful. In this, the first thing that Jesus did that brought change to these guys' lives was that he issued them an invitation. Verse 17 says, Come, follow me. In this small phrase, Jesus challenges these guys to leave their old life behind and to come follow him. And what you need to understand, this isn't the first time that Jesus met these guys. Jesus didn't just roll up on them and say, hey, ditch your life, blow off your father, let's go hang out. Jesus had actually met these guys several times before. He spent time with them. He got to know them, and he let them get to know him. This wasn't even the first time that Jesus asked them to follow him. But here's what you need to know about Jesus tonight. If you meet Jesus and hang out with him enough, eventually he's going to offer you the same invitation he did to his disciples. Come follow me. Uh, there's a young man I want you to meet really quick. His name is Asker. Uh, Asker, let me just kind of fill you in here. Basically, uh, he's from Denmark. Uh, he started showing up at service at the end of last semester, or excuse me, the beginning of last semester. Uh, he was taken off a semester from school and he was kind of just backpacking across the U.S. and couch surfing and stuff. And I'll be honest, I think he showed up in Columbia, maybe for a girl. It didn't work out. He met us, though. That's what matters, you know. And uh, he met a few of our international students, and they told him about, told him that we had service. And he was interested to see what a Christian service looked like in the U.S. I don't know if we're stereotypical about that, but he came anyways. And I remember sitting there, he came and sat in the front row at our 9 o'clock service. And he just listened, he could kind of see the wheels turn in his head. And I had the privilege to talk to him after service. And he, he's like, Tom, I want to believe. I want to believe that God is real. I just don't know. And so I was able to challenge him. I'm like, hey man, stick around. Stick around and give God an opportunity to introduce himself to you. I'm going to make a bold statement here, and, but I stand by what I'm going to say. If you hang around Pi Alpha long enough, you're going to meet Jesus. In the people, in their actions, in their words, because Jesus lives in the lives of our students in this ministry. And because I knew that, and I knew they lived in proximity with Jesus, by default, other people are going to meet Jesus. And so, Asker's like, okay, I'll give this a shot. And he was only supposed to stay, what, week and a half, something like that? Well, week and a half turned into two weeks, and then three weeks. 
what, month and a half later? Over that time, Aster met Jesus. Jesus offered him that same invitation that he gave to Peter, Andrew, James, and John. Come follow me. And eventually, after meeting Jesus enough times, Aster accepted that invitation, and he now follows him. And now he's back in Denmark, helping other people meet Jesus. And so, question for you before we move on, what stops us from actually accepting that invitation and following? Without a doubt, when Jesus makes you that offer, it is both exciting and terrifying at the same time. The stuff you have been holding on to in your life, relationships, jobs, dreams, leave it behind and follow me. And here's the thing, you will always have a million and one reasons not to accept that invitation, but it's always going to be worth it. Simon Peter and Andrew, they had to give something up too. They had to give up certainty. They gave up their job for the unknown. Let me tell you, students, it isn't a lack of money or a lack of good ideas that stop people from doing amazing things. It's fear the unknown. James and John accepting Jesus' invitation meant giving up security, giving up wealth, probably making their father pretty angry. Zebedee probably owned a very prosperous fishing company. The word boat here that's used, it means a ship or a vessel, not some little tiny boat. And it was big enough, a big enough boat that it could carry their hired men. Let's, let's just make it clear, you don't have employees in the fishing business unless you're doing pretty well. They were well off. And following Jesus might mean they have to give that all up. And what's hard for people to understand is there, you're going to have to give something up if you follow the Lord. But he doesn't leave us empty. Actually, what he gives us will always be greater always be more valuable, always bigger, always more exciting than things we initially gave up. Jesus said in Matthew 19, 29, and everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or property for my sake will receive a hundred times as much in return and will inherit eternal life. Take Jesus up on his invitation. When he comes calling, it's always going to be worth it. Second way that Jesus changed these guys' lives, he offered them involvement. If you continue in verse 17, it said, Jesus told them, I will show you how. Uh, okay, something you got to know about Tom. I'm probably always going to shoot you pretty straight. Maybe week one isn't the best way to always shoot you 100% straight, but I am who I am. <laughs> Involvement is the distinguishing factor that separates a seat filler from a disciple. Lots of people go to church weekly. It doesn't make them a disciple. 
throughout Jesus' ministry, lots of people came to hear him speak. They came to see a miracle. Maybe receive a miracle. Maybe just get fed from him. But they weren't disciples. And you see, that's fine at first. Jesus did things to engage people. But at a certain point, we have to go past that initial engagement and accept the invitation and get involved. Jesus isn't a carnival ride. It isn't, he doesn't just yell, hey, ticket to heaven, step right up. Or Jesus is not a genie. Jesus, give me a million dollars. That's not who he is. Jesus is the Son of God. And he's invited us to participate in his ministry with him. See, being a disciple means being actively and regularly engaged in Jesus' work. Dude, the disciples were young. They were immature. And yet, Jesus challenged the disciples to do the same things he did. If you want change, it means we have to get involved. Leaving your mark on this world requires us to do something. And in this case, specifically, it requires you to partner with Jesus. And so how can you work with Jesus? Well, first, you need to know what's important to him. Actually, just keep that in the back of your head. Anytime you get a job, find out what's important to your boss and focus on it. But let me ask a question, and this is not rhetorical, you can respond. What is important to Jesus? Love. Love. People. People are the nearest and dearest thing to God's heart. People are precious to God. He sent his only son to earth that so people could be reconciled to him. I mean, let's just be honest. God's invested a lot in us. And all of Jesus' works reflect just that. Uh, I heard you guys say recently, sometimes we treat what is precious to God flippantly. The awesome thing is we can work with God no matter what job he has you in. I don't care if you are a teacher, an engineer, computer guy, minister, as long as we prioritize and love people like Jesus does, we engage in his ministry. Secondly, now that you know what Jesus is important to him, secondly, if you want to work for him and be involved, you got to have what I like to call a spirit of a student. How will your, your spirit and your attitude with which you approach Jesus and following him makes all the difference in whether you're going to be successful or fail. Jesus got a lot to teach you. He has a lot of things he knows, and we need to spend time with him just watching, learning, and repeating what he does. Uh, and, and please understand, being a follower of Jesus doesn't mean being stupid. Jesus' disciples were forever asking him questions. Probably he probably got tired at times. But he wasn't afraid to answer them. 
But when they did question him, they approached him humbly, with respect. I think too many times, maybe we have a little bit of arrogance in our lives. And sometimes the arrogance prevents us from working with Jesus or even working with other people to advance his kingdom because we think we have it figured out. You see, we're vessels made by God. But if the vessel's already full with other things, there's nowhere for Jesus to put his teachings and wisdom into us. And so we need to approach the master empty and ready to be poured into. The final way that Jesus changed their lives was by (laughs) defining their identity. If you don't know what identity is, identity is simply the understanding of myself. If you look at the last part of verse 17, Jesus told them that they would fish for people. You see, he was challenging them to rethink who they were. You've got to understand, even though they're young, by this point in their lives, they probably thought the person that they were was written in stone. I'm a fisherman. I'm low class. I'm stupid. I'm a nobody. And that's never going to change. And you know what? That direction in their life probably would have continued, but Jesus shows up and reveals their true identity. When Jesus shows up in your life, he will always reveal the true person you were created to be. He still is challenging us today to rethink our identities. The problem is, too many of us have allowed people, or our emotions, or material things, or our situations, or even Satan to define who we are instead of Jesus Christ. Hear me, hear me good tonight. Whoever defines your identity defines your direction and your destiny. Whoever defines your identity defines the direction in your life and your destiny. You see, Jesus, he insists on being the only person who has the right to define you. And as your creator, he is the only one who has that right. As Christ's disciples, we have to understand that our identity is for the sake of making God's identity known. God made us to show the world who he is. That's how we leave our marks. Jesus' life should be reflected in mine. And when we live in close proximity to Jesus and to other disciples, that's when we can truly learn who we are. And that's when Jesus will speak. Like I mentioned before, Jesus came to bring a lasting change. And a life, living life daily with his disciples allowed that to happen. We know they ministered to the crowds. We know that he loved them. We know that he healed them. He fed them. 
but he spent most of his time with his disciples. The way Jesus modeled life change was never meant to stay with the disciples. He was making an investment in the people that he would leave his church to after he was gone. In turn, Jesus' disciples were expected to make disciples of their own so that the process could continue on and on. This lasting change that Jesus wanted was what a guy named Eli Gutro, he's the director of Sam Houston State, would call transgenerational discipleship. Basically, entrusting what's been poured into you and making sure that it passes on to the next person so that they too can pass it on. In Chi Alpha, we do this through our life groups, and we've been doing it for a lot of years. Uh, this is kind of the, I have a master's degree in history, so occasionally this comes out, I apologize. I like doing lineage stuff. I want to introduce you to a few people tonight that you will not know for sure, but they are still impacting lives today. Uh, the first person I want to introduce you to, uh, Stepha Chappelle, upper left-hand corner there. Uh, Stepha, many, many years ago, was saved in Chi Alpha uh, in California. Stepha has been a, she cont continues to work with Chi Alpha. She's a national field director for Chi Alpha currently. She's been a director at several campuses across the U.S. And for a while, she worked at uh, what's now known as Missouri State and worked with their Chi Alpha. She mentored a girl named Kristen Morgan. Kristen uh, was, prior to being here, Missy and I were at Missouri State for two years. Kristen was still a student when we were there. And so Stepha poured into Kristen, discipled her, and Kristen had her own life group. In that life group was a girl named Kim Boley. Kim Boley uh, and her husband, James, uh, spent uh, several years with Missy and I on staff. Uh, Kim, I, we left uh, before Kim's senior year, and after she graduated, she moved up here and uh, was our first staff person ever. Kim spent uh, how many years here, honey? Seven years? During that time, she had a young girl, a young freshman come into the ministry named Missy Towers. Hey. Our Missy Boyer at the time, now Missy Towers. Uh, she was very tall and stuff. And uh, Missy was in her Kim's small group, was poured into, discipled. And eventually, Missy became our president and uh, ended up sticking around for like ever, uh, <laughs> like nine years. And she met her husband in the ministry, Mike. And uh, they leave on Monday for Indonesia to do Chi Alpha there. <laughs> Out of that small group, this wonderful lady down in the corner, Lois Nelson. She was in Missy's small group, was discipled, loved on, 
Lois, uh, she was a character. <laughs> she eventually uh, went down, when she graduated, she uh, went to, what was the teaching program called? Teach for America for a couple years. And now she actually works at the University of North Florida with uh, one of uh, our sister campus ministries. We get her, we mess with her, they don't have to cut off of there, so it's cool. Um, but from that small group, Lois uh, had this, another very tall girl uh, <laughs> named Kelsey Bradley. <laughs> and Kelsey got saved in the ministry, uh, really grew, was discipled and poured into, and uh, <laughs> I'm proud of her. <laughs> and uh, spent a couple years with us, and uh, this last week uh, is just went on at, at a church in Baltimore as their young adults pastor. Uh, in, but along that way, Kelsey had a small group. And this other tall girl named Emily Smith, <laughs> it's just a lot of tall people, I don't know, man. But this other tall girl named Emily Smith was in her small group. <laughs> Emily's still here, she hasn't left yet. She's still, she's our student treasure, and uh, she'll be co-leading the Bible study this year. And uh, we're excited to see what happens next. And each of, off of each of these people are branches. Off of Kim, you got what, Julie, Elizabeth, Reagan, Allie, question mark. This is literally more than about 18, 18 years worth of uh, transgenerational discipleship. Because someone poured into stuff, but Emily has a small group too. And it's a great thing when it continues. Transgenerational discipleship is what should happen. What happens when someone stops? That's the problem. You see, while I love our weekly service, realistically, it's impossible to develop super close friendships when we're worshiping and you're having to listen to me speak. That's why we have life groups. And that's why they're so important to us. We have this motto that sums up our life groups. Live, love, lead. Live life together, love one another with the love of Jesus, and lead people closer to Jesus. This is all done in our life groups that meet on all three of our campuses. It's in our life group that you'll develop some of the best friendships you will ever have in your college experience. You'll experience God's love in a personal way that you never have before, and you will grow closer to God and to each other through the studying of his word and prayer. We do all this for the simple purpose of raising up the next generation of Jesus' disciples. And so, I'll end with this. Who's next? Who will continue that line so that 20 years from now 
someone else to know Jesus. Bow your heads, close your eyes. Tonight, I just want to ask a simple question. Maybe there's someone here that you like found, I don't know everything. I don't have it all figured out. It's cool. It's no good deal. But tonight I need to meet Jesus. Tonight I need to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And I need to begin that journey with him. It's not a hard thing. It's the first step. And you are good enough, and you are the person that God wants you to be. He wants to help you grow. But it begins by accepting the Son as your Savior. And so I just want to ask. I know it's a personal decision, but I want to pray with you. If, if there's anyone here tonight, you say, Tom, I've never accepted Jesus as my Savior, and I want to tonight. Or maybe at one point in time you were a follower of Jesus, but circumstances have happened, and you haven't been, but you're ready to say, Tom, I want to follow him tonight. If that's you, I want you to do me a favor and just slip up your hand really quickly so I can pray with you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else? I'm not trying to pressure you. I just had to get off. It's done. Okay. Well, that's the fun thing about Jesus. He's not trying to keep us out of the kingdom. He's doing everything to us in. And so, this is your first step. And anytime you make the first step and Jesus does something good for us, I can say thanks. And so you can pray yourself, you can repeat after me, whatever. I'm just going to take a moment and thank Jesus, okay? Jesus, thank you. Thanks for your sacrifice. Thank you for coming to earth. Thank you for dying for me and taking my burdens. Just want to say tonight, I accept your invitation. I want to follow you. Help me to be the disciple you want me to be. Help me to follow you. Help me to be humble and listen to your ways. And help me to identify as the person you created me to be, a child of God. So I thank you tonight. Lord, I pray strength for these people that made this decision. I pray protection. You know, when we do good things, say my good back. God, I pray that you'll help us as a ministry and as life groups to encourage and lift people up and strengthen them. And to be there for each other. Just thank you.